Well, they are actually tearing down the mall in our hometown of Columbia, Tennessee. It's kind of sad to see that happen, but I guess progress is such that these things do occur. You know, back not that many years ago, the mall was the place to be. Uh, maybe particularly on a Friday evening, boy, the mall would just be packed with people. And as you thought about it, you realized people came there for different reasons. There were different things that brought them to the mall on a Friday evening. The young people were there because I think it was a place to see and be seen. Uh, there was actually an arcade there and they could play those electronic games, but really more than anything else, it's where young people gathered. And if you were a young person, you might go there just to see and be seen. Of course, there were always some of the senior folks who were at the mall at any given time of the day doing their walking. You know, especially if the weather was inclement, they would be in the mall doing laps around the mall, trying to get in their assigned distance for the day. They might be there for that reason. And then, of course, I suppose that there were some people who were at the mall to actually shop and buy something. But apparently their numbers were rather small because so many of the stores closed down. For the last several years, the mall has effectively been vacated. Very few stores remained, and now they are actually tearing it down. So my thought is different things would bring people to a place like that. And we have a question to you this morning about this place and about being here. And our question is, what was it that brought you here today? What was your motivation? What's your reason for being here in this place of assembly today as we join together in worship? Why are you here? What brought you here? We think that's an important question. We want to briefly investigate several potential answers to that question in our study uh, this hour. I want to thank you for your presence here today. And whenever I say that, thanks for your presence here today, I'm reminded that one of my grandsons, when he was just six or seven years old, he, he, he asked his mom and dad, who is it that's bringing presents to Papa every Sunday? Because he always gets up there and thanks for your presence here today. Well, your presence here today actually is a sort of a present to all the rest of us because you serve as an, an encouragement to us. It's, it's part of God's design for our worship that we come together to edify and build one another up. And so again, thanks for your presence here today. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of this gospel meeting this week here at Oak Mountain. And I hope that our work uh, together can do much good in the kingdom to God's glory. I hope you'll study along carefully and examine the scriptures that we'll be using, not only in this lesson, but throughout uh, the series this week. May, first of all, make sure that the scriptures are being used accurately. We want to handle aright the Word of God. We don't want to be misusing anything from the scriptures. If there's a question, as we said earlier, please bring that to my attention so we can straighten that out. But ultimately, after we decide exactly what God's Word tells us to do, the challenge is to put it into practice. And we hope we'll be able to do that too. That we'll be challenged and that we will put into practice the things that we learn from the Word of God. Again, thanks for being here today and for inviting me to be here. So what brought you here today? Let me suggest to you that there might be several potential answers to that question. For instance, some young people might say, that I'm here today because my parents said I had to. Uh, 
I wasn't really interested in going. I'd rather have stayed home or done something else, but my parents said I had to come. Um, you know, parents do that sort of thing. Parents make their kids do things. And, and in reality, parents do that because they're interested in the child's well-being. They want what's best for their kids. Uh, when I was a kid, you, you, would not, you would not be able to realize this looking at me today, but when I was a kid, I was actually quite a picky eater. My mom was really a good cook, and she'd prepare a good meal, uh, and she'd set it on the table, and we'd gather to eat, and maybe she'd fix a pot roast with all the trimmings and everything, and I wouldn't eat it. And I'd just sit there and stare at my plate, and I can remember any number of times when my dad said, you're not getting up from the table till you clean your plate. And so I would just sit there and stare at it. But I knew he meant what he said. Finally, everybody else would get up and leave the table. Mom would clean up the kitchen. I'd, I'd still be sitting there staring at my plate. But finally, I had to gulp it down and maybe swallow it with a big glass of milk because I knew that my dad meant it. You're not getting up till you clean your plate. Parents do that sort of thing, don't they? They, they do what's in their children's best interest. And I want to suggest to you that parents do that about coming to church, to worship services. And so if you're a young person and you're here this morning because your parents told you that you had to come, they were doing the right thing. They actually have a God-given responsibility in this regard. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so your parents, in urging you, instructing you, demanding that you come to services this morning, were trying to fulfill that very responsibility that God has given them. You have done a good thing in obeying them because that same text in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so if you came because your parents said you had to, well, you've done a good thing in being obedient to your parents, I suppose. But I want to tell you, that's really not a good enough reason for being here today. And I want you to keep thinking with me. That, again, we could commend you for, for that in, in that sense that you came because your parents said so. But ultimately, that's not a good enough reason. And so keep thinking with us a little bit more as we continue. I want to suggest to you there might be a husband or wife here this morning, and, and they are here because they know that their, hus their husband or wife insists that they come. I can just imagine some husband saying, I'm not really interested in going to church today. I'd rather be out on the lake fishing, or I'd rather be playing golf, or I'd rather be doing something else. But I'm to tell you, it's just easier to go than to hear my wife fuss at me the rest of the week because I didn't go, and so I'm just going to go. It's not, it's not exactly what I want to do, but it's, it's easier. I'll, I'll just go because my wife says she wants me to go, and she really is very strong about that, by the way. What about a fella who would say something like that? Well, again, I, I suppose that we could commend his intentions to, how would we say it? to promote domestic tranquility, if, if, if that's an idea. You know, uh, marriage is a, a give and take proposition, and sometimes we have to give in to the other and do what they want to do. We don't always get to do what we want to do, and, and that's necessary in marriage, and that tends to keep peace in the marriage relationship. And so, to that husband who said, I'm coming today because my wife just insists on it, 
Where we say, okay, well, in that sense, I suppose that's commendable that you're trying to keep peace with your wife. But again, that is hardly a proper reason for being here. Keep thinking with us a, a little bit further. Someone else says, well, I'm here because I feel like it's just expected of me to be there. And, and in the fact of matter, if I don't come at least occasionally or with some sense of regularity, the elders, the preachers, some of the other members of the church, they'll start calling me and, and I, I really don't want that hassle. And so I'm going to come just for this reason. I don't want to be hassled by the elders, preachers, or some of the other members. I know I'm expected to be there sometimes, and so I go. Have you ever been watching a baseball game, and uh, maybe the umpire makes what pretty obviously is a, a pretty bad call on the field, and, and the manager or coach of the team rushes out on the field to issue his objection to what the umpire has just done. I was watching a, a minor league game a, a while back, and boy, the, 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 the coach was just incensed by a call the umpire had made. He ran out on the field, and he got right in the umpire's face. I mean, they were close. And he was just yelling at the top of his lungs. In fact, he even took his ball cap and turned it around backwards so he could get even closer to the umpire's face as he was yelling his objection. And then after he had yelled for a while, he stepped back and kicked dust all over the umpire's shoes. And the umpire, of course, quickly ejected him from the game. Why would a coach do that anyway? Have you ever seen an umpire reverse a call when, an ump when a manager or coach objects? No, I've never seen that. I don't think you've probably ever seen that either. That just doesn't happen. Well, why would the coach do that? Well, because it's expected of them, right? If, you, if your team gets a bad call, it's expected of the coach or manager to object, and so they do that. I mean, it, it doesn't really do any good, but it's what's expected of them. I'm concerned that there may be some Christians who worship in that same way. It really doesn't do them any good. They don't get anything out of it. They're just here because it's expected of them to be here, and so they come. And I want to tell you, that's really not reason enough to be here. Now, certainly the Scriptures tell us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews 10, verse 25, we understand that. We're under a, an, well, what's the word we use these days? We're under a mandate. <laughs> Could you, we're under a mandate to assemble for worship. We understand that. And, and, and it is certainly good to come together. But if you're, if you're just coming for that reason, sort of a, I had to be here kind of thing, that doesn't work for kids or adults. That's not a good enough reason. And in conjunction with that, someone might say, well, I definitely would not want to, the church to withdraw from me. Well, you know, we're aware, I think we're all aware, there's some teaching in the New, New Testament that's pretty strict in this regard. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, teach that if, if a member would become unruly or undisciplined, that the end of the process might even be that we have to withdraw ourselves from such a Christian. And the, and the kind of person I'm describing right here is a boy, I, I sure don't want that to happen. And so I'm going to go often enough just to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, that's really not good enough either, is it? That just does not get the job done. And then maybe someone else says, you know, in, in reality, I'm not sure how to answer the question you're asking. What brought you here today? Uh, 
I hadn't even really thought about it. I haven't given, I haven't given any consideration to that. It's, I guess I just go because I'm in the habit of going. It's what I always do. A while back uh, in the house that we lived in, we don't have this privilege now, but in the house we used to live in, we, we had an attached garage and it, and it had a, an electric garage door opener. And I know many of you have that privilege at your house. And what a nice thing that is, especially you know, if the weather is bad, you know, push a button, the door opens, push a button, the door closes, boy, that's, that's really nice. Well, I'd gotten so used to going in and out of the garage that I pushed the button, the door went up, I started backing out, but be, without even thinking, before I got out of the garage door, I pushed the button again and the door came down right on top of the vehicle. Thankfully, those things, I guess, are set to do this. It, when it met that resistance, it went right back up and didn't do any harm. But it made me think, you know, sometimes we just do things by habit. We don't even think what we're doing or why we're doing it. And it may be that you are, are in that mode when it comes to worship. Now, understand when we use the word habit, I think we should be in the habit of being here every time the doors are open. Earlier, Bob said, you know, there's an expectation on the members of the Oak Mountain congregation that you'll be here this week at every service for the gospel meeting. You should be in the habit of doing that sort of thing. And so we can use the word habit that way. But we, we do not want to suggest that you should come without thinking why. Don't just do it out of rote performance. Think about why you're here. And so again, we need to do a little better. You know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 said of the Jews of His day, He was actually quoting Isaiah. So this is, this, think about this, Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. This must have been a problem in his day. It was obviously a problem in Jesus' day. He quoted Isaiah. I think it's still a problem in our day. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 8, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Is it possible maybe that some are here this morning? And again, the honor with the, uh, with the mouth and lips is there, but the heart is not really involved. If that's the case, again, that's not good enough. That just doesn't get the job done. So, several possibilities there. Let me add just one more. And I'm sure that this it catches the vast majority of you all this morning, and it's a good thing. Someone says, what brought you here today? I'm here because I really love the Lord and I want to show it. Right? That's right. Uh, these people that I'm describing now, and I hope it describes you, I think it describes the vast majority. These folks are here because they love the Lord and want to show it. And, and they know that love for the Lord is manifested in trying to do what the Lord has instructed us to do. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Notice, love for the Lord is definitely connected with commandment keeping. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. I want you to especially concentrate on that last phrase there. His commandments are not grievous. This is not a really awful thing that we're asked to do here, is it? It's not like, as the kids say, it's not like eating broccoli. This is easier than that. This is not a hard thing. This is a pleasant thing. This is a good thing. This is not a grievous thing. 
He, you know, he, he hasn't asked us, I had a brother recently say, well, he didn't ask us to climb Mount Everest barefooted. <laughs> he didn't do that, right? He didn't ask us to do harsh, mean, impossible things. This is not a grievous assignment, but it is what he wants us to do. And if we love him, we keep his commandments. And so I think that many of you here, thankfully, would be able to answer honestly, I'm here today because I love the Lord and want to show it. You know, I, kind of interestingly, I think if you ask this question to the kind of people I'm describing right here, I think they'll know why they're here and they could give a ready answer, but they might actually be surprised by the question, what do you mean, why am I here? Why wouldn't I be here? You know, this would be sort of the equivalent to them, to, to you, hopefully. Why are you here? It'd be sort of the equivalent of asking someone, why do you like hot chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven and a cold glass of milk? So I say, what? What do you mean, why do I like that? Doesn't everybody like that? I mean, why, why, why would you even ask? Of course I like that. And I think the people who love the Lord and want to show it would, would have that reaction to the question, why did you come? What do you mean, why did I come? Why wouldn't I come? This is where I want to be. I love doing this. They, they would express the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. These people are glad for the occasion to be able to come together and worship. Now, having said that, I want to note a couple of things. The people that I'm describing right here who love the Lord and want to show it, they have not come here this morning because they always hear the most eloquent sermons. I think I can speak for Bob and a lot of the rest of you who, who give lessons from time to time. We try to do our best, don't we? We always, have a, 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 we always try to have a lesson that's good and easy to listen to and makes a point and, and influences us in the, in the right ways. I want to tell you, and I, I think the rest of you would agree with me, those of you who give talks from time to time, I think you'd agree, we don't always hit the mark. You know, sometimes the sermons are not just tremendous. My wife Cindy and I have, a, have a, almost a ritual that we engage on the way home from church. We'll get started down the road, and I will say, well, I don't even have to finish the question. She knows what I'm asking. She knows I'm asking whether the sermon was any good or not, you know. And I can tell by how long it takes her to answer. <laughs> how was it? You know, if, she, if she fires right back and says, well, that was fine, you did good, then I, I assume that's probably a, a, a fairly accurate analysis. If I catch her, though, if I catch her measuring her words, you know, trying to answer in an unoffensive way, ah, I figure that's probably one of those sermons that didn't really hit the mark. And sometimes we do that, right? But these people that I'm describing right here didn't come because they have to be entertained by the preacher. They, they didn't come because they expect and demand perfection in the pulpit every time. They didn't come for that reason. They came because they love the Lord, right? I'll tell you something else. They, they, they don't come to hear the singing, to hear, to hear perfect singing. The singing here was beautiful this morning. But the singing is not always just perfect. Sometimes it's off pitch or sometimes it's off tempo or whatever. You know, we try to do the best we can, but the singing's not always perfect. But they didn't come for that reason. They didn't come to be entertained by the singing. I want to tell you something else about these people who are here because they love the Lord. 
It's not because they have nothing else to do. They're not here just because there was nothing else on their schedule this morning. They actually clear their schedule so they can be here for the worship assemblies because they love the Lord and they want to show it. These people that I'm describing this morning sometimes are very busy people. They have lots to do. But they see this as the most important thing on their weekly schedule. And so they, they make provisions for this before anything else. They love the Lord. And could I add another thing about that? The people I'm describing right here who love the Lord and want to show it, 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 they are here maybe when they don't always feel 100% on top of the world. I'm going to tell you the people I'm describing right here, they have their aches and their pains and their headaches and their arthritis and their colds and their allergies, just like everybody else does, by the way. But they come because they love the Lord and they want to show it. Now, let me take you back to that screen. Which one of the things that we've mentioned here this morning describes you? What brought you here this morning? Surely you realize that you need to be numbered in this last group, right? And the reason why you need to be numbered in this last group is because you know, of course, that they're the only people who are going to really please and honor God by their worship this morning. It's only these people who are motivated out of love and sincere desire to obey God. They're the only ones who are going to actually please God. John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so if you haven't gotten to this point yet, then you need to work on it. And when you come together for worship, it needs to be for this last reason. Okay, I want to do one more thing, one more exercise before we conclude the lesson. Let me say we'll just give everybody this morning the benefit of the doubt. You know, I can't stand up here and judge your heart. You can't judge my heart for that matter. We, we, we are not capable of that. But of course, God can judge us and God knows our true motives for assembling today. And so you're not going to hide that from Him. But let's just do this as an exercise. Let's just give a blanket benefit of the doubt to, here, to everyone here. Let's say that everyone here this morning is out of sincere and dedicated love for the Lord. Okay, we'll do that then. Here's the catch. If that's what brought you here this morning, then why wouldn't that same reason bring you back this evening when we meet for another hour of worship? If, if, if we are to believe that that's what brought you here this morning, why wouldn't that same motivation bring you back this evening? I think it's a reasonable question to ask. If you really love the Lord and you want to show it, you will not say, you will not say, I love you, Lord, but. There's a ball game on TV this afternoon that I really want to watch. So I'm not going to come this evening because I, I want to stay home and watch the ball game. Now that doesn't fit, does it? You can't say, I love you, Lord, and I came this morning for that reason, but the ball game is more important than you this evening, Lord. That doesn't work, does it? Someone else says, well, I really love you, Lord, but I've got friends coming over this afternoon, and, and I'll be visiting with my friends this evening, so I won't be back this evening. Just recently, someplace where I was, uh, and, and we were commenting about these sort of things, 
someone without hesitation as they were leaving said, well, I won't be back this evening. I've got a birthday party to go to. Really? I love the Lord, but this evening the birthday party will be more important. Even to the point of someone says, I love you, Lord, but my job, my job, my career advancement is going to keep me from being able to be there. But I love you, Lord. Do we really love the Lord and we let other things come in the way? How much is asked of us typically in coming together, in our assembling together? You know, in a usual week, we do the same thing in Columbia that you all do here. We meet for an hour of Bible study on Sunday morning and an hour of worship Sunday morning and then uh, another hour on Sunday evening and then another hour of Bible study on Wednesday night. In a typical week, there's four hours that we, that we are asking for. Now this week at Oak Mountain is going to be a little different because we're going to add two more hours to that on Monday night and Tuesday night, a couple extra. So this week it's going to be six hours, but in a normal week, four hours. Is that really too much to ask? Is that too much to ask of someone if you love the Lord and you want to show it? Would it be too much to say, be here for four hours? Let's put it this way. Here's this old boy, and he's got him a girlfriend. And he, he is always telling the girlfriend, I love you, oh man, I love you so much. I, I love you more than words can express. I just love you, love you, love you. I just can't even imagine. You can't even comprehend how much I love, I love you so much. But four hours? You want me to be with you four hours this week? Isn't that a little unreasonable? Really? You expect me to be around you for four hours? I love you, but come on. Let me ask you something. How long is that old boy going to have that girlfriend? He, he already doesn't have that girlfriend, right? Just as soon as that passed out of his lips, that girlfriend is gone, right? Because we understand that if he really loved her, he would enjoy spending time with her. He'd want to spend time with her. It wouldn't be a burden or a chore. He'd look forward to it. Why doesn't that same kind of reasoning apply to our service to God? If we love Him and we want to show it, why would we, why would we hesitate? Why would we even think otherwise? We would want to be here. If you really love the Lord and you come because you love Him, then, and we understand there are other mitigating circumstances. Uh, certainly we've been, in this last year and a half, we've been dealing with this pandemic and all that it's involved. We understand there are things like that. But all things being equal, given a choice to be here or not, if you love the Lord and you want to show it, you will be here. We'll see you at all the appointed times. And by the way, there will not be any of this, where does it say I have to? You know, I'm sure that you have heard the question as I have, where, where does the Bible say I have to be back on Sunday night? Where does the Bible say I have to come on Wednesday night? Well, obviously the Bible didn't say that in literal words. I, I don't think the word Wednesday is even found in our Bibles. So somebody said, where does it say I have to be there on Wednesday night? Well, it doesn't say that. But what it does say is you have to love the Lord, right? The question, when, when people ask that question, it's not, the, it's not that there's no answer to the question, where does the Bible say I have to? It's not that there's no answer to that question. We've been actually dealing with the answer to that question in our, in our study this morning. It's not that the question is unanswerable, but what's so disturbing is that anybody would even ask the question, where does it say I have to be there? 
That's what's disturbing. And there won't be any of that. If, if we love the Lord, there won't be any questions of that nature. What brought you here this morning? You know, you might have, if you saw the sermon announced ahead of time, you might have, well, I guess my car brought me here this morning. Now, we're not talking about your car or your mode of transportation. We're talking about your motivation, your heart. In your heart, what brought you here this morning? We hope it's because you love the Lord. When we love the Lord, then we obey His commands. That's how we show our love for the Lord. Have you obeyed Him this morning? Have you become a Christian? Have you answered in obedience to that simple gospel plan of salvation? As we said earlier, the Lord's not asked us to do harsh, impossible things. His plan for us is very easy. If you're not a Christian, He says, hear the truth and believe it. Repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you'll show your love for the Lord this morning by doing that. If you uh, need more information, if you have questions, we'd be glad to help in answering those questions. Just let, just let your desires be made known. But if you love the Lord, you need to obey Him. If you're already a Christian, that love for the Lord is, means continuing to obey Him in your life. But if you realize that you have not, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.